So I have my friend here. Uh, I don't know how I want to introduce you. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Well, you know, my my screen name, I guess, is Heathen uh, or JW Research. It's kind of a lame screen name, I guess. But uh, it's interesting. I just read like a Watchtower article from like 63 or something the other day. And they referred to all of basically anyone outside of Jehovah's organization as heathendom. So I guess it's fitting. Really? Which you say that was like from the 60s? Yeah, 63. Uh, Watchtower 63, August 1. I, the It's from the... I actually found the article from a book I'm reading called Apocalypse Delayed. Mm. Um, I don't have the resource like on my desk, but yeah, like um, basically anyone outside of Jehovah's so that is super fascinating i love it so to make a long story short i guess you you were a jehovah's witness until recently right why don't you tell me about your past with that okay so um i actually was not officially disfellowshipped Mm -hmm. Uh, i disassociated from jehovah's about 16 17 months ago um I was not raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, I was actually, uh, my mom was Lutheran uh, because <laughs> her mom was Lutheran. And Wait, I lost you for I, a second there. You say your best friend was Episcopalian growing up? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anyway, it, that that's really beside the point. Anytime I went to church, like either with my mom or my best friend, I always felt like totally creeped out, <laughs> like I just didn't belong or just something really worked to me like something didn't feel right and so basically since i was a teenager i've been okay since you were a teenager you were atheist roughly so to clarify your mom was lutheran and basically everybody in that line was lutheran right correct and what was your dad so my dad so that's interesting on my dad's side of the family i actually had an aunt and her sons were jehovah's witnesses but they were much older and never really saw them, you know, at Christmas or Thanksgiving or anything, of course, because never came around because right. you know, celebrate the holidays. Right. Um, so I never had a really close relationship with my dad's extended family. Um, my dad was not, uh, he was just, um, he wasn't agnostic. He was just basically lazy. Just didn't really want to go, basically. Didn't want to go to church yeah, and all that other stuff. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't religious. Let's just leave it. Got you. So um, some of his family was Jehovah's Witness, though. Is that where your entry into it came from? Like, is that how you found yourself in the religion? Or what was the story there? No, actually. Uh, my entry into this religion came through my wife. So... Um, when I was in college, I met my soon-to-be wife, and she was raised Jehovah's Witness. However, she was inactive at the time. She had left like 17, um, primarily due to lifestyle. You know, she wanted to party. She wanted to go out and have fun. Sure, and I experienced that, too. So, uh, uh, she, she, yeah, sure. So she was never baptized, basically, as a youth. Okay. So 17 years old. Your wife kind of walks away from the religion, I guess, right? Is what you said? That's correct. And then when she was in college down where I lived, and that's where we met. Um, she was about 19. I was about 20, about 22, 23. Oh, 22. Okay. All right. So you, you meet your wife, and she kind of has this affiliation with Jehovah's Witnesses. You already kind of had that opening into it. So I guess that's 
kind of the door you needed to walk through to get into it? Um, not exactly. It's a little more complicated than that. And I don't really want to like tell you the long version of the story, but, um, basically as our relationship went on, she felt longing, like she wanted to get back into it. And she did like, she started studying again. Um, like right as we got married, I didn't really know anything about Jehovah's witnesses, despite the fact that I had some family members that, that were, so I was still, not studying, not having anything to do with the organization. Uh, meanwhile, we get married, and about a year or so later, she got baptized. So it was a year or two after you guys had gotten married, right? Correct. So she had been like going um, to meetings that whole time and everything, I guess. She had been going to memorials every year. What had happened is she went to a convention after the year after we got married, and Somebody literally turned around and said, hey, do you want to study the Bible with me? Mm. Like, okay. And um, so she started studying. Uh, we were together. She had married a, you know, unbeliever or an unbeliever, whatever you want to call it. And um, I don't know if it was like Christian guilt or what she felt exactly, but, um, you know, it's really beside the point. She got baptized. I went to her baptism. Uh, our marriage continued and started to have struggles in our marriage because of our different belief systems okay so that's kind of the opening that you needed to decide to take part in it i mean at this point it seems like it your your dad didn't really believe it your mom was kind of a lutheran um yeah it really had nothing to do with my childhood at all yeah. honestly telltale it had um only to do with life now bear in mind like her family were not jehovah's witnesses only her mother was so it was like two of them against the world. Right. And as our marriage continued, we kind of like put subtle hints and pressures like, hey, do you want to come to the memorial? Hey, do you want to come to the assembly? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, I was very reluctant. I, I again, I didn't know anything about this religion. One year, he went to the memorial and was like, hey, why don't you look at this, look at that? And I did. And then I did my own independent research and I was like, um, this is not a thing that I want to be a part of. Really? And at that point, I had major reservations about our relationship, right. honestly. We're unsure um, about where it was going, and because I guess because of the clash with the belief system, right? Well, let me give you an example. Okay. So uh, when we got, when we were dating, got married, like, you know, we'd hang out, we'd party. Uh, she'd play video games with me. We'd have a glass of wine. And then... After this change, you know, it was more like we were separate, separate lives. Like mm -hmm. I would be sitting on the couch, you know, playing ever Zelda and she would be like in the room reading the Bible. And it started, there were these like little fissures in our relationship and that. I started to lose you there at the end. You said there were a lot of fissures because I, from my understanding, you were saying that you would be playing Zelda and she would be reading the Bible in the bedroom, right? That's correct. So, you know, over time, our relationship started to deteriorate. And, you know, we had, you know, at that point, she was pregnant. So okay. we had, yeah, we, we have two kids together. We're no longer married. Um, and again, this is kind of a long, drawn out introduction. No, no, it's fine. Go <laughs> ahead. I'm here for the, the duration. So she, um, we have our first child. And 
things took a turn for the worse. She basically moved out. And at that point, I'm like, well, the only thing that's going to make her happy is if I'm a Jehovah's Witness. And so I went to the memorial and um, an attendant actually came up to me and he's like, hey, do you want to study the Bible? And I was like, "Okay, sure. So I started studying and this was about 10 years ago. Okay, right. So I started studying uh, again, not raised in the truth, knowing nothing about really Christianity in general, much less Jehovah's Witnesses. And um, we just got into it. And it took a really long time, dude. I mean, like I studied the teach book for probably two years. Right. That's the Bible teach book. Um, what is the full the, name? I cannot remember that for the life. Oh, it's uh, uh, what does the Bible really teach? That's the it. yellow book. That's yeah, it. the yellow book, not the new one, not the gray book. And every single chapter, like there were just so many questions. I'm like, uh, what, like, what does this mean? Like, how do you know this is true? Um, I need more evidence. I need more information to believe that this is true. And my Bible teacher couldn't really give me a straight answer. And so I just had to convince myself that this was, that it was accurate, that, you know, this is the way the Bible is supposed to be interpreted. This is what the Bible really teaches. So I was basically kicking and fighting against this thing the whole time, right? Like we, you and I, we have two very different experiences. Like I was not raised in the truth. I didn't have a religious upbringing or background and I'm just kind of cynical at heart. And so every single thing that came up, like, you know, creation, Noah's Ark, revelation, what have you was like, really? Like, like what reasonable person can find truth in this? Right. Um, and, and you were how old at this point? Roughly 24, 25, somewhere in there. Uh, I was closer to 30. I was in my late twenties. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you were studying to get baptized at this point, or you were kind of just studying because you had a lot of questions basically, right? Well, I, no, I was studying to like, to get my, fix my marriage. That was the whole intention. Like I never really intended to become a Jehovah's witness. I just wanted to have a family. Like I just wanted to be happy. And I thought it would make me happy. And I thought if I pushed my doubts down um, and convinced myself that this was the truth, that everything would be okay. Well, of course, now I know that that's not the case. But at the time, you know, I was naive. Anyway, um, she did come back. My my wife and, and my son, they came back. I was studying. I became an unbaptized publisher. I started going out in service, blah, blah, blah. Um, and after a couple more years, I think there's another book, uh, like keep yourself in God's love. Are you familiar with that one? I don't think so. I can pull it up though. Real fast. Is it the gray one that has like the picture of the beach? Yeah. It has like clouds on the front, like a gray. Yeah. So that's like the second book. I don't know what the, um, teaching is now. Like, I, I think you just have to go through the main first book, but I could be wrong on that anyway. We go through the second book, and at that point, I qualify for baptism. So I'm like, you know, 33, 34 years old, and I'm getting baptized. And 
you know, I'm in my mind, I'm like, this is going to be good for our family. This is going to be good for me. And I, again, like had a lot of doubts, um, even <laughs> leading up to baptism, but I just had to like push those aside and I did, I got, I got baptized. Right. And so how old were you? You said you were about 34, 35 when you got baptized? Correct. So how did yeah. it, how did getting baptized affect your life from that moment on? Like how did things get better for you? Did they get worse? They got worse. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell a, a brief like kind of narrative here. Okay. So at my baptism, um, when they like dumped me into the pool and I don't know why this happened, but I came up and I started hysterically laughing. <laughs> I, um, I don't know if I was like in denial or right. if it was just like the absurdity of the situation, but I, I looked up and there's water like coming down over my eyes and my face and I look up and one of my elders is like there and he's like inspecting the whole like situation cause it's yeah. all very official, you know? Yeah. And, um, I was just like, what the hell have I done? <laughs> like, had regrets from the moment you went under the water, huh? <laughs> Basically oh, so. I mean, um, and things, I mean, honestly just really went downhill from there. Like our marriage just continued to deteriorate. Um, we argued a lot. I tried to keep in line with the direction from the governing body. I tried to maintain a regular Bible study. I always took the family to meeting. I tried to set a fine example, blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was never good enough. It was never good enough for her. And after a while, um, you know, I think we both knew that this was not a good fit for me and we got divorced. So what was the thing that kind of, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Why is it that it didn't seem to be a good fit? And also how long ago did all of this happen when you kind of walked away from it? So the divorce happened two years ago and I actually continued to attend meetings for about eight months after that. Um, I've actually only disassociated from Jehovah's Witnesses for about 13 months. So I've been on the outside for about a year. Um, and again, I was never officially disfellowshipped, although I've been disfellowshipped in practice. Like I see them on the street. I see them at the grocery store and they won't look me in the eye. Um, they don't return emails or phone calls. Um, that's what disfellowshipping looks like, even to someone who chooses to willingly leave the organization, uh, by means of a, uh, letter. Right. Disassociate. Yeah. I actually know exactly what you're talking about. So, uh, and, and I imagine a lot of the audience does too, but what does it feel like to you when that kind of thing happens? Well, fortunately, I knew, like, I saw this coming, like, miles away. So I knew, like, I was going to be shunned. And so I set myself up in a couple of ways so that I wouldn't have to experience the, the sheer, like, loss of family and friends and support system and structure and everything. So even as I was attending meetings, like in 2017, mm -hmm. like I, I sought out a support group. I was going to therapy. I was reading, you know, everything, philosophy, uh, et cetera. I was just trying to prepare myself for a life 
and again, I, I you know, I, I had a life before this organization. So I kind of had a taste of that previously, but I was preparing myself for success. And I think I've achieved that on the outside, you know, in a relatively short period of time, but most don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the deal. I mean, th this structure, this hierarchy is mm -hmm. set up in such a way that if you choose to disassociate or if you do something that is a disfellowshipping offense, right, you're going to be shunned. And every, all of that is going to be pulled away from you. You're going to lose potentially your family, your friends, your support system, everything that you know overnight will just be gone. Yeah. Just, it's like the rug is pulled out from under you basically, right? Yeah, exactly. But lucky for you, I guess it sounds like you took the right steps to uh, prepare for that eventuality as best as you could, right? Well, I think what happened, if I go back just like chronologically, is I was still going to meetings, <laughs> excuse me, and I stumbled upon like, um, you know, the Cedars channel. Uh, in particular, there was one video where uh, Lloyd Evans is at Disneyland. Have you seen this one? Um, yes, where he's I have like, actually seen that. Okay, so just to give context, he's like basically reverse witnessing to this cart at that's set up in Florida. And he's just like having a conversation with the guy. He's not really trying to convince him of anything. He's just saying like, this was my experience. This is your experience. You know, can we meet halfway? Yeah. And of course, he's willing, you know, to he's <laughs> lived both both sides of the coin. But, you know, this this uh, publisher is like, well, you know, just come come to the meetings, come have a study, come do this, come do that, because that's all he knows. That's he's been indoctrinated since birth to pull worldly worldly ones in to the organization. Right. So it's not about having a conversation to him. It's about like convincing the other person to come to your perspective and that's just wrong. Yeah, it's I 100 percent agree. It's just the wrong angle to take it. I mean, when we enter into a society, it seems to me we kind of enter into a social contract like there's a possibility I could be wrong. There's a possibility you could be wrong. And we have certain things we agree upon. We're not going to be violent. We're not going to manipulate or deceive or lie in the conversation. But Jehovah's Witnesses seem to have kind of disregarded that because they believe that they're right. So it's like ends justify the means theocratic warfare in their case. Um, I don't know if you've seen yeah. any of that. Yeah. And I'm not like calling out this particular brother or anything right. like it's it's from the top down. I mean, he can't help it. I mean, that's what he's been taught his entire life. The problem is at the top and you know, the governing body and the associate, you know, the society and everything dictates this entire structure that completely controls people's lives. Like when I was, this was before I was baptized, but like there was a situation where I was studying and my wife was like, you know, Hey, you're still listening to, you know, whatever, a uh, system of a down or something. Okay. And you, you know, you have all these, you know, this, this huge collection of zombie movies, you have to get rid of all this shit. Mm. And I was like, okay, why? And 
she basically told me that I couldn't even sell my zombie movie collection because the demonic influence mm. would, you know, be would impact someone else. Um, that is she's a shame. A, she, uh, it, it is because they're probably pretty valuable today. But um, <laughs> she's rational. Like she is a reasonable, rational person mm. like at her base. But she's been so I don't like to use the term brainwashed, but she's been so programmed. Sure to believe this institutionalized, uh, I don't know, it's this very frustrating. Would you say an institutionalized, um, shoot, no, I have, to, I have, we have to work this out. We have to figure out the word is. Uh, I don't think, I don't know that brainwashing is the right word either. I think Stephen like, Hassan talks about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just like a, uh, like a structure. Like yeah. there are no, there are no hard and fast rules. Like, you know, my kids play Pokemon. They, mm -hmm. they, pl they read Harry Potter. They play Zelda. Um, but they're Jehovah's witnesses. They're being raised as Jehovah's witnesses. And I have no control over that. I can only control like their, how they think. Yeah. Uh, we just basically don't talk. I mean, living, you know, co-parenting with this Jehovah's witness I, I can't really even explain like what that's like in, you know, 30 minutes, I but I can't even imagine it. It's real tough, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's like they have this one system of rules there and then here they have like, you know, reality. Yeah. Um, and I'm not trying to disparage her household or anything like that. It's just like, her rule set is based upon something else. It's not based upon her own, like internal beliefs or anything like that. So if if we want to play, you know, Fortnite or something, we're we're going to play Fortnite. Right. Um, but to her, that's bad. That's a bad thing. Right. So that's really interesting. You touched on something that I find fascinating because when I uh, was kind of coming out of the religion, I had a daughter with the mother, and the mother was not a Jehovah's Witness. I I was not. Jehovah's Witness any longer either, but I still believed it. So I'm coming at it from the other perspective where I was trying to raise my daughter as a Jehovah's Witness uh, and the mother was fighting me on it. It's so fascinating to hear the other side and think about the other <laughs> yeah. side now. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think le leading up to our discussion, um, there's like Another aspect of the story I have really haven't touched on. I'd like to devote some time to sure. if we can. So after I got baptized, I got this job, right? Mm. Um, this job was with um, some Jehovah's Witnesses uh, that were not in my direct congregation, but um, they were like friends of friends, basically. Um, excuse me. And I was doing basically IT support for this company. Uh, they had extended this job offer to me. I didn't really know anything about the industry at the time, but basically this company was a financial services company, um, like a, not a credit card company, but you basically like a merchant services mm -hmm. company, right? So when you are a business and you need to accept credit cards, you go to a merchant acquirer and they sign you up, you know, to accept credit cards so that you have a relationship with, you know, Visa, MasterCard, whatever, so that you can ex accept credit cards. Anyway, so I got this job 
and it was great. You know, I had a, it was a really well-paying job. Everyone there was Jehovah's Witness. Um, I was very happy in the position. Um, after a year or so, this company that I worked for actually got a contract with the branch office, mm. right? So the branch office, for those who don't know, is like the headquarters or the compound of Jehovah's Witnesses in New York, and they determine all the financial affairs of the entire se uh, sect, of the entire religion. Right. Um, this company that I worked for um, received a contract to provide all the credit card processing for all the circuit assemblies for the entire United States. That is a so, massive commitment, <laughs> I imagine. Uh, uh, not only that, but it's a huge amount of money. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea. So, yeah. I mean, merchant services companies only make like 1% or 2% per transaction. But if you multiply that times, you know, a couple million, then you're talking pretty good money. Yeah. Um, so anyway, my job was essentially to set up credit card equipment at... Um, every year Jehovah's Witnesses have three like major events they attend, like they have two assemblies and then one major convention. So I did the two big assemblies and we did them across the entire country. So I would set up like all the accounts, I would set up all of the, um, processing, all of the equipment, etc. And, uh, the company that I worked for would, you know, basically skim off the top. Um, I didn't know this at the time, um, but my employer had actually had a history. Uh, again, he was a Jehovah's Witness, mm -hmm. um, but he had been disfellowshipped a couple of times. Mm -hmm. um, once was for unrelated reasons. It was for like his wife cheating or something. Um, but he actually uh, committed embezzlement as well, while he was a Jehovah's Witness. Um, he basically embezzled a whole bunch of money from a whole bunch of people that he has not paid back to this day. That's not good. Uh, it's not good at all. And um, and I didn't know any of this, um, but the branch office did. <laughs> and they gave him this contract anyway <laughs> to do this work. Uh, I think That's he currently served. I didn't know that they knew that. <laughs> They did, and he currently serves as like a traveling speaker. He's like a ministerial servant. He might even be an elder at this point. I don't know. He fired me a year ago. Right. Um, <laughs> it, why did he fire you, by the way, as a quick aside? Was it for religious reasons? or? Well, yeah. So after I disassociated, um, he found out like pretty much right away. And I, I saw this coming a mile away, so... I decided to enroll in college because I knew my days were numbered. Like I knew he was going to fire me for not being a Jehovah's Witness because sure. every, literally everyone that worked for him was. And um, so he found out and he's like, you can't have anything to do with any of these accounts anymore. Mm. I was like, okay, um, isn't that is, you know, is that discrimination? I don't, I don't know. Mm. Like I'm, I'm just asking. And he, uh, was furious. I mean, he, um, basically fired me on the spot and, uh, I inquired with, you know, several state and federal, federal agencies and they were like, well, you know, we'll do an investigation. Um, I, I can't really get into like the, the logistics sure. and the legal matters, but, um, my case 
was dismissed. I mean, they, they found in his favor, uh, they found that my termination was not related to my religious affiliation, really? which in my, from my experience, from my perspective is not true. It seems but, kind but, of obvious at its face, just having been involved in the religion and knowing that the tactics that they use and the, the association that they have with outsiders and things like that, it just seems obvious that that was the case uh, at its face. But Well, I mean, on its face, but, you know, I don't know if there are any listeners out there that are, you know, that have read the Bible or, but... I actually posited this to him one time um, as I was reading the Bible, and the scripture rang really curiously to me, and it's and it's Mark eleven fifteen. Um, the scripture says, and if I may, quote: "They now came to Jerusalem. There he entered. This is Jesus. There he entered into the temple and started to throw out those selling and buying in the temple." And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Basically, what's happening here is these um, merchants are converting currency, right? Like people will come in with different form, you know, either bartering system or different currencies, and they'll change them into different currencies. They're providing a service. And in exchange for that service, the, they'll take a, you know, some money for it. Right. And I was like, isn't this exactly what we're doing? Like yeah. we're in the temple, like we're at this assembly and people are donating thousands of dollars, th millions of yeah. dollars. Um, and we're taking a cut of that. Like, aren't we doing the exact same thing? And I actually asked him this, like I had the balls to do that. Right. <laughs> what did he and, say? Well, of course, he, you know, like reasoned it, you know, he yeah. cited some other scripture or something. But um, I still have doubts to this day that not only at the local congregation level, at the district level, at the regional level, but really at the Bethel level, mm. that it's all about the money. And, yeah. you, I mean, you know this. I mean, yeah. you've, you've talked about this in several videos, but... Um, they have tax exempt status. All this money is tax exempt. Um, where is all this money going? Is it going to pay to protect pedophiles? That's what it looks it, like to it, me. Is it going to pay lawyers to sue uh, for fair use, as we've seen right. in the case of Dark Spilver? Um, I mean, how much longer does this have to go on before people are like, okay? <laughs> like, I know. See, what the hell? <laughs> I feel like the big issue with it is the fact that they they basically tell people to be super careful about what they read online. You're not supposed to go to certain websites, things like that. And that enables them to get away with things without being challenged from within. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, freedom of information is like their worst enemy. Yeah. And, and that's what happened to me. Like, I, I started... I was looking to the internet for answers. Actually, I had questions like I wanted to prove to myself that this was the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to believe that their doctrine was accurate, that this was the one and only true religion. And everywhere I looked, it pointed to the opposite. It pointed to the fact that the organization, well, the religion was founded, you know, basically by 
one dude, um, you know, who was a prophet or they, yeah. a so-called prophet. Um, and then, you know, you have Rutherford and, you know, the other guys, the, you know, Rutherford was an alcoholic and it, it just goes on and on and on. There's just so, and of course we see that today with, with Morris, you know, at the liquor store. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that too. That was funny. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's, I mean, it's funny, but it's also sad. It I mean, is, it, you know, the, these people's money that I know personally, I can tell you this for sure. My mom is on, uh, a pension and I know she's donating money to the Watchtower Society every month. I have to imagine that that was some of her money going to that cashier when, when Tony Morris bought all of that liquor, you know, it, it, it's really heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it's just not like any liquor. I mean, it's like $900 of top shelf, yeah. you know, single malt scotch, okay? Yep. So, uh, and I mean, they've gone in, you can read it however you want, but that is the activity, and this is my opinion, that's the activity of an alcoholic. When you buy, and you take it out of the box even, and you're by yourself, and it's... <sighs> Yeah, it, 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 it's it, not it, a good it's, it's not a, a lot good of look, red man. flags. Yeah, I, I, I just want to leave with one thought. So my friend came over the other night and we were talking about all this stuff because I'm working on like I'm doing a research paper on jo on kingdom songs right now. I'm doing like I'm writing a memoir and we're writing an album about like my experience. And I was like, you know, hey, buddy, what do what do I say to my wife? to convince her that she's wrong to just say, you know, Hey, this has to stop. You can't yeah. be a Jehovah's witness. You can't raise my kids as Jehovah's witnesses. And he said something really poignant. He said, well, saying to her that she can't be a Jehovah's witness is like her saying to you that you can't be an atheist. Mm. And I really like have thought about that this week. And, you know, I think the level of programming is so intense that our only hope is to prevent future persons from entering into this relationship with this cult. I'm just right. going to say cult right. because that's the only way we're going to be able to make a change. Like the like I see these, uh, what is it like these flash mobs at, at kingdom halls and assemblies where they like, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think that's the right way to go about it because they're most likely not going to change their minds. For reference, we're talking about people who, like, go in and do Kingdom Hall crashing where they interrupt the meeting. Yeah, crashing. Things. Yeah, crashing. Right. I, yeah, I couldn't think of it. But um, they call us, the you know, we're apostates, right? Mm -hmm. So they call us um, mentally diseased. Is, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So... I think that's true. Like, I think we are mentally diseased because I personally, I, I can't speak for you, but like I've dealt with a lot of trauma over yeah. the last 18 months. Like I've had to deal with a lot of shit. Like I've gone to therapy. Like I have a support group. I cry when I hear like old songs that I used to sing at the kingdom hall. Yeah. Like this stuff is deep like it's really really hard to get out of like really hard yeah and to at, to expect like a born in the truth died in the wool jehovah's witness to leave all of that 
It's a tall order, man. It is. I 100% agree with you. And I I don't I I don't know that I would have ever escaped if I hadn't been kicked out. I may still be in there. So I guess that uh, I I will leave it on this note too actually since you're leaving on a note. I would say um, instead of not celebrating any holidays. You know, I never celebrated my birthday, never celebrated Christmas. Celebrate all of them and make your disfellowshipping day one of those holidays. I celebrate the day that I got disfellowshipped because it, it was the day I got out of it. Cool. Well, mine's coming up. Mine is June 18th, so maybe we'll a party. have a party yes, or something. <laughs> definitely. Well, congratulations. I'm glad cool. that you found your yeah. way out. And thank you for talking to me about your story. It's been yeah. really fascinating. We'll talk again, though, okay? Yeah, this is a great opportunity. I thank everyone for listening. Uh, really privileged to be on the channel and everything on the podcast. So thanks a lot. Yep. All right. We'll talk to you next time. All right. See ya.